I, I would want the younger generation to know that you you have to be willing to put the time in to the position. You have to be willing to learn. You have to be flexible. You have to be humble. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Download Podcast. On today's episode, we have Judy Cook, who is an experienced HR professional from the aviation industry. I had the honor of working with Judy uh, with my first company that I was with for several years and learned a lot about her perspectives in HR, and she is truly an amazing HR professional. And so currently she is with Modern Aviation, which is one of the FBO uh, operators in the country. Uh, FBO is also known as Fixed Base Operator. Uh, They service private aircraft. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about Judy's story on how she came to HR, came into HR, and also um, she's going to share some of her thoughts based on her experience being in human resources for several decades. So hope you enjoy this podcast interview with Judy Cook. Well, thank you so much, Judy, for being on the podcast. You know, we've known each other for a long time, and it's awesome to um, get your some of your perspectives on on what you're seeing in, in your world. Thanks for having me, Cameron. Glad to be here. For sure. So tell us a little bit. Uh, I'm sure the audience wants to get to know more about you. Just give us a good recap of uh, your, your background a little bit. So um, right now, I'm in the vice president of HR for Modern Aviation, which is a small FBO network. Uh, we are looking to grow. We've gone from uh, four locations to 16 locations in the time that I've been with the company, which has been about a year and a half. So we've grown fairly quick and looking to expand that. I have worked in general aviation for probably the last, um, since like 2007. So for a while, 15, 16 years. And, um, you know, my background, I didn't grow up saying, oh, I wanna work in HR because it's so much fun, right? <laughs> That's not what I, what I uh, dreamed of. I kind of just fell into it. I got a job when I was fairly young, um, I was living in El Paso, Texas, and I'm not bilingual. And I had a very hard time finding a job because everything, all my experience was in administration. And so if you weren't bilingual, it was just very difficult. And I happened to find a job working for a recruiting agency. And I loved it. I loved helping people, you know, get fit to the right job. I liked working with the companies. And it kind of just was very interesting to me. And so I worked there for a while. And when I left El Paso, I didn't stay in that role because, um, you know, I was a single mom and had to find a, a job that was like good money. Not that that wasn't good money. And I kind of fell into a job working at the airport. I had somebody come into my work and she was talking about what she did. And she's like, oh, we're, we're hiring for seasonal help. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I went and applied to work for America West for the season, quote unquote. And that lasted almost 15 years. I started off working on the ramp and I loved it. It was, you know, it just, once you work in aviation, it's a, it's a bug, you know, you get addicted to it. And my station manager at the time knew that I had an administrative and recruiting background. And so he had me start doing all of that for him there at the station. And so even though I worked there for 15 years, 50% of the time, at least, I was doing HR work, whether it was doing the recruiting or helping with training. And I just sort of worked my way up and 
worked in different uh, job functions and timekeeping and scheduling and things like that, leave administration. And I wanted to get a quote unquote real HR job where the title was human resources or employee relations. And they kept telling me, oh, you can't have that job because you don't have a degree. So I went back to school, I got my degree and I kept applying for jobs and I didn't get them. And it got a little frustrating. And so I, you know, America West was like a little security blanket to me. So I always knew that if something happened, if we filed bankruptcy again, so I did make it through that, I knew I could always go back to slinging bags or selling tickets, right? I knew that I had that security. And I was sort of afraid to leave and to try out something else. But I had a friend of mine that I had worked with at America West who left and she had another colleague that we had worked with who left actually Whataburger restaurants. I don't know if you're familiar with them. And it was an HR position here in Arizona for the 38 locations they had. And I applied and I went through several interviews and I still wasn't sure I wanted to take the job. It wasn't until I met my boss in person who was the chief HR officer. And she was so passionate about what she did and how she helped the employees that which they referred to as family members. And I said, okay, I want to feel like that about my job. And I didn't have that at America West. So I took a leap and went to work for her. I was there for about three and a half years. And then I went back into aviation again. I've been in general aviation ever since. And I've just kind of worked my way up. And again, it's not something that I said, oh, this is what I want to be when I grow up. I just kind of fell into it. So I've been very fortunate. Oh, that's awesome. I love your diverse background and the fact that you've been in human in the area of human resources for for quite some time now. And so you've seen a lot of change, not only within the general aviation industry, but you've seen the change in the workforce through the last few decades. And um, you've you've seen a lot. A lot, of, a lot a lot <laughs> of change dealing with organizational change and so that's the reason why I wanted to have you on on this podcast so you know from your all your experience that you're seeing and with your your in-depth experience in human resources um wanted to focus on on the younger generations here because um wanted to touch on that what are some trends that you're seeing within this younger generation with this young people, students? Um, what are you what are the trends that you're seeing that that these folks should focus on when looking to start their careers? You know, it's it's really interesting. Things are so different from when I got out of high school, right? I mean, it it wasn't I feel like now having a college degree is like having a high school diploma when I was younger, right? It's, it's almost like you have to have it no matter what. And I think it's fantastic. You know, going to school teaches you discipline. It helps you um, learn life skills, but it doesn't give you the work experience you need to start, excuse me, to start a job. And, you know, if if you have someone, a young a young student that comes out of college that hasn't had a job or has worked, you know, just like mowing the lawn over the summer or whatever, they a lot of times the younger generation comes into these roles with the expectation that they're going to be the boss. You know, they they and I, and I'm I'm generalizing because not everybody's like this, but a lot of times they come in and they don't want to do. They don't want to pay their dues to to get to where they where they really want to be, and 
you know, there are some people that that do have the work experience that work their way through college and they, you know, maybe they've worked at an FBO or maybe they've worked, um, you know, for, uh, I'm trying to think what other, like in commercial aviation, maybe they have had a part-time job. And so they have a little bit of understanding. So it might be easier for, the, for them to come into a lower level leadership role. But I would say that 90% of the time when people come out of school, they don't have that experience. And it frustrates me because there are so many talented young people that won't take a job because it doesn't have the title or the salary that they're expecting. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes their expectations are too high. And, and I, I would want the younger generation to know that you, you have to be willing to put the time in to the position. You have to be willing to learn. You have to be flexible. You have to be humble. You have to say, okay, yes, I've got my degree and that's all fine and dandy. I, I want your job, right? <laughs> a general manager or something. I, I want to have your job. Well, you're not going to have their job within six months or even a year, but you might in two to three, if you put the time in and go in and, and do your best and work hard and show up and ask questions and volunteer for extra duties and extra jobs. That's the, that's the best advice I can give someone. And, and there are people that, that are willing to do that. They're willing to come in in an entry-level role so that they can learn the business. And, and even if, even if it's not in an FBO, maybe they, maybe they want to work at a, in an MRO, or maybe they want to uh, work in a flight department. There's all sorts of things that you can do and learn in entry-level positions, but you have to be willing to do it. And you have to understand you're not going to come walking in and making $90,000 a year most of the time. I mean, I'm sure there's some companies that will pay you that, but uh, this industry would not. So I'm curious, you know, because that you're, you're, you're talking about this, you know, talking to young people, but you're also actively involved in this, in the recruiting process and actually trying mm -hmm. to get young people in. Um, what are some of the things, so let's, let's talk about it from like a recruiting perspective for a second. Right. What are some of the things that you're doing you know, to we try are, to get through that? Right. So, you know, there's, you try to make it attractive, to make the package attractive to the candidates, whether it's an entry-level position or whether it's a leadership role. And, you know, we are a small company. We've got under 450 employees. And we, while we have good benefits and we do, we actually pay if it's just you and you choose one of our plans, the company pays your premiums for you, which I think is fantastic. Mm. So as a young, um, a young professional coming in, if you are just getting your insurance for yourself, that is a huge perk. But I'm trying to look at other things that are attractive. You know, we're working on a, a program for, um, it's... It, well, there's two separate, like a tuition reimbursement to help people with their college education, but also we're considering helping people with their student loans as opposed to paying for their college education. So that I'm looking at a program like that, which would be beneficial. And um, I'm looking at other voluntary benefits like head insurance and discounts on homeowners and renters and car insurance and um, gym memberships, things like that. And it, what I find really interesting in the last six months or so, I've been reading a lot. I was at a conference last June, an HR conference, and 
people, not just entry level, but they're looking for benefits that are sort of outside the box. Mm -hmm. It's almost a given that every company is going to offer you medical, dental, and vision, right? That's almost a given. But they're looking for things like college assistance, help me get my pilot's license, the gym memberships, elder care, you know, because there's a lot of people in the workforce that are having to take care of their elderly parents. Or um, another thing that that is uh, interesting that I found that people like is helping with college applications and financial assistance. That is a confusing process, right? So people are looking for assistance in those things, or even in, you know, if they're buying their first home, who can help me walk through the confusion of all of that legal paperwork when you buy a house? So they're looking for things that are outside the box. And that's what I'm trying to provide them. You know, we came up with a a discount program for work shoes because all of our employees are required to wear black non-slip shoes. So we provide an allowance on a yearly basis, but also you can purchase Skechers work shoes at 30% off. And if there's a difference in what the the cost of the shoe is, we just do it through payroll deduction, which is very simple for the employees. And that's an added benefit. And four times a year, the whole company gets 30% off any Skechers. Doesn't matter what kind of Skechers, doesn't have to be work shoes. So they're just looking at some of those little perks. And we know we're, we're not a Delta, we're not a signature. So we're not going to have as much uh, as robust of a plan or program than they do, but we are trying to do little things and take small steps to get there for them, mm-hmm. make it attractive. Yeah, that's so awesome that that you're looking after beyond just the work benefits, the day-to-day benefits, because I think now this 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 new generation and this workforce today, they're looking for more beyond like, why you know they want to feel like the company truly cares for them and that the people that are in that are leading the company truly mm-hmm. care about their overall well-being than just the productivity of the work environment. Right. And, and we do little things, you know, we've got the spot bonuses, we have a safety mm-hmm. bonus program, which is actually pretty, pretty good because the employees can increase the pot of the safety bonus on a quarterly basis by selling fuel. Mm-hmm. by doing transient overnight hangar space, selling things. And so they see, and we, we actually just had our quarterly employee meeting yesterday and our CFO was showing, even though, you know, our, our certain things are down, those things are going up because the employees have an active role in reaching those goals for that safety bonus. We also, you know, we have the employee of the quarter and they get a big spot bonus. But not only that, if you nominate somebody, you're entered into a raffle and you can win a hundred bucks. So yesterday, two people won a hundred dollars for nominating one of their coworkers. So it's, it's just the little things, you know, the little things we started a, we didn't have a service award program. So now people that have been with the company for like the three, five, 10, 15 year type thing, they get something it's a company called wish list and instead of just getting this book where you can get like a kitchen scale or a you know a a blender (laughs) you can you can do all sorts of things you can get gift cards you can do it towards um, an experience you know if you want to go whitewater rafting and what's really interesting is that most of our employees have come on board through acquisitions right so we have somebody that came on board in february and like four months later, they hit their 20 year anniversary and they got a thousand dollar award and they were like, I can't believe you're doing this for us. Well, you know what? Just because you, you're not XYZ FBO anymore, you've still been here for 20 years. That that needs to be acknowledged. And I think that's important, too. 
Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm kind of curious to kind of hear from your perspective um, regarding the challenges in, in today's workforce. What 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 are you seeing in in today's workforce as something that is really some of the challenges that that you're going through today? Um, you know, recruiting across the network has been difficult. And, and in speaking with my colleagues in HR, we're not alone. Right. Mm -hmm. It's every industry across the board is, is having a hard time hiring people. Um, and, and that's why you have to have those little perks to make it look, you know, more attractive to the candidates. Um, I find that feedback I'm getting from my recruiter is that people will apply for multiple jobs, right, within the company. And then they don't respond to emails, texts, or phone calls. So, or we, we screen them. And, and I don't know why, but Seattle, our Seattle location, that seems to be the worst there. People don't show up for interviews. We had six interviews scheduled last week. One person showed up. And I, and I don't know why that is. I mean, I'm not going to call and say, why didn't you come? You know, I would love to, but that wouldn't uh, really work. And, and, and again, we're not alone. I'm talking to colleagues in other industries and they're having the same problem. And I, I don't know what we can do to prevent that. Um, I think that maybe if, if we increase or decrease the time from when they talk to the recruiter and have that phone screen to where they're sitting down in front of a person, if we can shorten that time frame, maybe that would be beneficial. Um, so maybe, and I, I haven't looked into the, the statistics on it to see how long it, ha it is to see if it's been just too long and they found another job. Another thing that we're running into is, you know, it with in aviation, A&P mechanics, there just aren't any. They just avionics and AP mechanics. I have such a hard time recruiting for, and we're offering, you know, we're looking for an eight, like a, a chief inspector and we're offering a huge sign on bonus. We're offering relocation assistance. They get a bonus and it's a pretty robust salary. And we have made two offers and they both backed out, went to work somewhere else, even wow. though we, I, and I just, it, and that's happening a lot. It happened at our Bar Harbor location. It's happened at our Wilmington location. We don't have any issues in Puerto Rico. It's very easy to hire there, but I, and I don't, I don't have a solution for that, but it's something that we talk about on a regular basis with my team is that we, we make these offers and then people just don't follow through. Yeah, so I wanted to kind of this this next question that that I have. I wanted it from both um, an employee perspective, talking going back talking with the young people, but then also from an organizational perspective. So uh, going back to talking about what um, about the younger generations, um, what advice do you have aside from what we talked about already? You know, these well-educated individuals are coming into the workforce. They want to shoot for the stars. Um, what advice do you have for young people today when they start in, in the workforce and what do they need to do to position themselves well for growth? Yeah, and, and I, I will use an example with my last company. I met a young man, very brilliant young man, and he had been with the company a very short time, but he wanted to be the general manager and he knew that he could do that job like right now. And the fact of the matter was he wasn't ready. 
he wasn't ready for that next step. And so my advice to them, to, to someone in that situation is learn as much as you can. You know, if you're hired as a line service technician, learn everything, learn how to fuel every aircraft, drive the Electro, use the, the, the stair um, truck, learn everything you can, fuel every type of aircraft. And when you've learned all of those things and you've mastered all those things, learn another job, request to be cross-trained because, you know, having those skills is powerful. You know, if we, if you have somebody who has, is a frontline employee and you're looking to put them into a leadership role, are you going to go with somebody who only knows one function at the company? Or are you going to go with somebody who knows how to be an LST, how to be a CSR, how to do, um, you know, fuel quality? You're going to go with the person that has more skills behind them and more varied skills behind them. And make sure that when you go into these roles that you're eager, that you ask questions. And I know people don't like to ask questions because they feel dumb. I ask questions all the time. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. And like I said, volunteer to go to another location and help out. Volunteer to come in on your day off. Ask the boss if there's any like special projects that they're working on that you can help with because maybe, you know, I, I'm horrible at Excel. I'm not good. It's not my jam. I just don't like it. And maybe somebody comes in and they've got these phenomenal Excel skills. I could use them to help me with projects, right? Mm -hmm. So they might bring something to the table that you as a manager would not be aware of and make sure that people know what your skills are, but make sure that you're sharing that information in a positive manner, not in a manner as I can do this and I can do that. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, and, and Cameron, you know, your, your experience when we worked together, it was, that was very similar. You mm -hmm. came in, you wanted to, you know, you first wanted to be a pilot. Then you're like, Oh, I love the FBOs. I want to do that. And you took the advice. You listened to me, you listened to, you know, our colleague, Eric, and you took our advice. And, and if you can find a mentor, and I know that you've had a couple, if you can find a mentor as a young um, professional starting out, if you can find a mentor that will help you and guide you, that's phenomenal too. And I think, you know, one of the things that I would love to have is a mentoring program at our company, but we're, we're so thin as far as leadership, right? We don't have a whole lot and we're growing and we're busy. So we don't really have the bandwidth to do that, but eventually I would like to start a mentorship program where you get people that are new in their role and they want to advance. And maybe rather than having somebody who's working in operations, not necessarily putting them with an operations person, maybe put them with somebody in customer service or marketing or accounting so that they can learn different perspectives of, of how the company works. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. And then looking from an organizational perspective, um, you had a good idea with that mentorship program. What what can organi organizations do to help foster this new generation and this new workforce that's coming into the environment and make sure that they're doing a better job in terms of attracting and retaining good talent? You know, um, a lot of times, you know, people get frustrated with the younger generation, right? But they're our future. And we have to remember that, that they, you know, they're going to run our country someday. Right? So we have to remember that and understand that they're going to have, they're going to 
they're going to have skills and, and things like, like I said, like that I don't know how to do. And you're going to learn something from them also. So the mentorship, while you might be the most senior person, you're going to learn from them also. They have a lot to offer. They bring a lot to the table. You have to learn to communicate with them differently because you're not going to communicate with a millennial the same way you are with a Gen Z or a boomer, right? They all want different types of communication. Mm -hmm. And as an example, I just sent out a, a um, benefit survey and I'm starting to get the responses in. And, you know, we have a very young workforce, right? 90% of the people want to be communicated through text. That's how they want to receive their information. Mm -hmm. And I, I find it really interesting, you know, because a lot of people don't want to text. They want to pick up that phone. And even my recruiter has said that he is more successful in, in reaching candidates via text than a phone call or an email. So just it, it's not just that it's not just the the people entering the workforce that have to adjust. We have to adjust too. Mm. You know, I like I like what you said because you know I think Cameron and me have similar histories and how we kind of got our starts in this industry obviously mine's more on the commercial side but um i always tell people when they ask you know how did you get where you are so quickly you know uh so early even in your you know your 20s as i say you're gonna have to have moments of pain and sacrifice Absolutely. Mm -hmm. to be able to be able to make <laughs> these moves and for me, that looked like coming in on my days off. It was coming in early so I could sit with the GM and learn different, uh, different, different things that I that I couldn't learn while I needed to soup the ramp or whatever I was doing. Um, that mentality is hard to find today. Um, but I, but I always tell people I'm like that you have to understand it, it's going to be a little bit. It's going to be painful. Sometimes very painful. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid to take a chance just because you think you're going to fail. You know, failures and mistakes are how we learn and grow. Mm -hmm. And if you don't take that leap of faith, if you don't try something, you're never going to know if you can do it or not. You know, if you don't, if you don't take that leap. So don't be afraid. You know, we, we all make mistakes. We all, and we, if you don't learn from them, that's a, that's a problem, but we all learn from our mistakes and that's really important. And, and, you know, new employees shouldn't be afraid to try something just because they think they're going to fail. So, so this is what we like to do with all, all of our guests. We like to ask them a couple of questions, just to, uh, some of them are a little bit fun questions. So the first question is, uh, what's a bucket list item for you that you are, you are hoping to do in the future? Professionally or personally? Either one. So one of my bucket lists, and I was doing real good till COVID ruined everything. One of my bucket lists is to visit an a, a international location and a location within the States that I've never been to every year. And I, I've been real, I was real good with it up until COVID. And actually I had my, I had my international trip planned to Paris with my daughter, tickets, hotels, everything when COVID happened and we had to cancel it. So that, um, I, I want to visit all 50 states. So I, I'm at like 42, I think. I haven't done, I've only done one of the Dakotas. I've got to do another one of the Dakotas. But that's one of my bucket lists is to do an international trip every year and a, and a stateside every year. Awesome, awesome. And another fun question is, uh, dead or alive, who would you want to have lunch with? My old dog. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <laughs> 
um, I, you know, I'm a, a person, right? Not my dog. Um, you know, that's just really not a fair question because, you know, when you're my age, there's a lot of people that you're, mm-hmm. that you admire that have passed, whether, whether you know them or whether they're family. So it's really hard to say one person. I mean, mm. I don't know. That's just a really tough question because there's just a ton of really interesting people out there. I w- George Burns. How's that? Do you guys know who that is? No. Oh my gosh. I'm old. <laughs> George Burns um, was a comedian. He's an older guy. He had wore dark glasses like this that I'm wearing. He always had a big old cigar in his mouth and he was a comedian. He was, um, and his wife's name was Gracie and they, he was interesting man. And then the last one, this one's more of just a, uh, more of a professional question. Um, obviously as leaders and as, as business, as business professionals, um, we, we're always reading. So what, what do you, as, a, as an HR professional, what are, what are you reading these days that kind of keeps you current? Oh, um, I actually, I just bought a bunch of books at the HR conference in July, but one of the books that I've started is um, written by the old CEO of United Airlines. I'll tell you the name. Hold on. Okay, I have a couple that I got. So this one's called um, Turnaround Time by Oscar Munoz. He was the CEO of United and he was a speaker at my conference. And really interesting. And you guys know what United has been through, right? Mm-hmm. And so he was there during that time. Very good book. Um, I also got a book. I haven't started yet. It's called Coach Culture. It's a playbook for winning in business it's about coaching your employees mm. and managers. That's a good one. And then the third one I have is um, called Making a Difference. It's a matter of purpose, passion, and pride. So those are the three that I've got right now. There you go. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Cameron, you want to wrap us up? Well, Judy, thank you so much for uh, taking out the time to pour in your insights from an HR perspective and also from the aviation industry. You've you've had quite the journey of growth within the aviation industry. And um, not only are you a professional, but you also have made an impact uh, on a lot of employees throughout your journey and one of them is is definitely me um you know being a close mentor um for me so definitely appreciate that and uh, all your support that you've provided in my growth Cameron anytime you're the best you know that and I'm one of your biggest fans so anytime well thank you thank you Judy thank you thanks Travis thank you talk to you guys later well thank you so much for tuning in on the leadership download podcast i really hope you enjoyed that awesome interview that we had with judy cook and was able to gather a lot of insights from a an experienced hr professional in the aviation industry um also so if you want to connect with us you can check out our website tcadvisorygroup.com and you can find out more about the services that we have we are a professional coaching leadership coaching and training company and we offer several services to support for all levels of the organization and also at the individual level also uh, please subscribe on whichever platform that you are listing this podcast on and uh, you'll receive a notification once the next episode goes live 
And also, as always, if you can give some feedback on rate us, give us a good rating on whichever platform you're listening on, we would greatly appreciate it so that this podcast can be spread out to a broader audience. Again, thank you so much for your support and for tuning in. Hope we were able to add value to your leadership wherever you are at in your leadership journey. And uh, we will catch you on the next podcast episode.